करते हैं Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lore. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to another fleshly and fantastic episode <laughs> of Horror Business. Horror Business. We are joined today, not by Evan Valella, as it was originally intended, because Evan got an operation today. Can we just point out, okay, so <laughs> we were playing this Cronenberg episode with or without Evan, but then the reason we were recording today was Evan's interest. But Evan told us, mm -hmm. he admitted to us, I'm getting a root canal first, it should be fun. And neither me nor Justin went, you know what, Evan, as adults who are older than you and maybe have some more life experience, let us go ahead and let you know that doing anything post root canal is terrible. I got one a few months ago. I was a fucking mess. It's not, it's just, it, not only is it terrible, it's not possible. I tried once. I got a, my, I've only gotten one root canal ever. I got it done. And then I tried to ride my bike to work. Were you, were you hopped up on goofballs or whatever? After so that? halfway to work on my bike, I realized that the side of my face was so numb mm. that there was a line of spit coming out of my mouth as I, do it. as I rode the bike a good 50 feet. Like, so much so that it was, like, hitting cars and, like, it was just trailing out of my face. That's disgusting. <laughs> it wasn't pleasant <laughs> for me either. I suddenly had this image that somehow dirt would travel up the spit line yeah. into my mouth. Or an insect. I went to work and people were like, just go home. Just but, go home. I was like, all right. Because I'm trying to talk to people. I'm like, that's not real. Uh, so instead, we're joined by, um, I'm going to say, Cinepunk's B team, right? Cinepunk's. Uh, I'm not going to uh, call them B team. Well, no, no, no. Most of our guests are not team. Okay. I mean, I might be the head of B team. Me or Evan. I, I, if Cinepunk's, if there was like the equivalent, I'm not saying West Coast because we have people who write for us on the West Coast, but I mean West Coast in the sense of the West Coast Avengers were like the B team of All the right, Avengers. All right, now you've won me over. Okay. Sean would be the head of West Coast Cinepunks. Gotcha. You know, so. He just happens to live on the East Coast. Yeah, he just happens to actually he ha happens to so actually what? be close enough that he could be a team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He could literally be like 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 Sean. At a certain point, Sean was present enough in Cinepunks that we could just be like, yeah, Sean's like one of the hosts. You know, like he's on. He's you've done more guest appearances on Cinepunks than any other person. Yeah, yeah. Two, three, three, three. three or I've done a couple of soul episodes, and I did. I was on a horathon episode. Oh, and I did an episode yeah. with Jen. If we count Hearth, yeah. then a lot of people are... Yeah, that's true. But still. <laughs> but yeah. um, anyways, Sean Benesign <clears throat> is here with us. Thank you. Thank you welcome, for having me. Welcome, thank welcome. You, thank you for being here. Well-known Vagan, dad, uh, punk sellout, and uh, former working class man, now head of his own welfare department. Look at you, class trader motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm the bureaucrat I always wanted to be. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyway. Sean, uh, Sean, look, look. Sean is Grandma's been a sign. <laughs> okay. That's fine. <laughs> so, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, two films by a director who's done a couple things. Uh, you, may have, you might have heard of it. These are the first two films, first two feature films by... Um, 
No, that's not true. He had two before this, but they were not as well known. These are two of his bigger films. What, are, what, what were the two movies that came before so, this? Uh, oh. You don't know. So. Yeah, I no, thought no, Shivers no. was first. No, if you look in his filmography, I, you know, you're, you might be right. Maybe they're student films, but they were. What, when you say feature film, though, what people are usually describing is the length. He has made two feature length films, which are available through Criterion. So if someone, if you say Shivers is his first, we're talking about David Cronenberg. Let's just put that out there. David Cronenberg. Cronenberg. If He's you can Canadian. get them on Criterion, I think you can count them. That's wait, what I'm saying. Wait, They're wait, wait, wait. Which, which of his movies that came before... We're doing Shivers and Rabbit. Let's get that out of the way. Shivers, not Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah, please excuse, our, do, please excuse our Pennsylvania accents. We're doing the Shivery Rabbit by David Cronenberg. What movies are on... Because I On Criterion, because there's The Brood, Videodrome... I thought you could get his... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are going to be writing in. They're going to be... You know what? I'm glad. What, do you guys have a P.O. box or some shit like that? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm glad. Well, people could email. They could email us. Or they could write on our... <sighs> Facebook. Facebook. Uh, okay. Let's just do this right now since we should have done this Jesus before. Christ. You know what? It's not the end of the world. So... Crimes of the Future came out in 1970, and Stereo came out in 1969. You can get them packaged together as like the early films of Cronenberg, but they're both feature-length films. They're not. Are they on Criterion? I thought they were on Criterion, but I could be. Wrong. Oh, interesting. How about that? They're not actually on Criterion, so you were fucking wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> the point is, is that Shivers is his first uh, widely released feature-length film. He did a lot of TV before that too. Anyway, uh, so before we get started, uh, <laughs> you're so mad about. This. I am mad. Uh, Sean, as our yes. guest, have you seen or done anything horror related recently? Um, actually, I'm sorry. We'll get back to that. I'm sorry. We need to talk about our who brought this episode. Who is bringing this episode to you? The fine folks at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Oh, we almost forgot. Oh man. Sean, I'm very sorry. That's all right. I mean, I'm fine with taking a second seat to Lehigh Valley, whatever the fuck. Apparel Creations. If you are looking for a t-shirt, a hoodie, a beer koozie, underwear, goofy foam hat, or anything else that can What's be printed on. What's a beer koozie? It's a little foam oh, hoodie. Oh, the, you those, know what If you are looking for anything that can be printed on, including but not limited to buttons, well... You need to go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations in Allentown because they will help you bring your artistic vision to life to promote whatever you want to promote. Whatever weird ideology you want to promote, Chris Reject, sympathizer to many an unsavory ideology, and noted not member of the order, will help you print a thing that you want to get printed at a reasonable price, and he will do amazing work. Sold. We we really appreciate the support. We do. Thank you so much, Chris. And we always do our advertisement with a, a little bit of tongue in cheek, but they are really great. They are very great. Them. And soon, and the you know part of this deal, in case you're wondering, like what is it about, is the creation of shirts. There are not yet hard business shirts, but there will be. There will be by the God beneath. I swear there will be shirts, hard business shirts. Let me go ahead and say, if you're thinking, why aren't there hard business shirts? It's all on me. At Repairman Jack with an X between Repairman and Jack because on I'm straight Twitter, edge. fucking blast my man! Like just blow just me up. Go on there and just be like, "Where are the fucking shirts, Do Lore? It. What's your deal, mm-hmm. Lore?" That's all I got. You could, you all, you, you know what? Do it yourself. You'll come up with something good. Yeah, I trust you. You do it. Yeah, yeah. So he does such good work that I hate Chris Reject more than anyone has hated anyone in history. 
anyone, German or otherwise, I hate Chris Reject more than anyone has hated anyone. And I still advertise for him because he does such good work. So anyway, you can go to www.xlvacx.com. It's not straight edge. And you can see what they've done. Um, if you are familiar with the Cinepunk shirts, he did that. If you're familiar with any number of punk rock bands in the punk rock community, he has done that. If you are familiar with Jakar Pro Wrestling, he has done that. The man has done so much. He, I, I, I can't even. I'm done talking about Chris Reject. I like you cutting this promo for Chris Reject. This is good. It's good. I sh- next next time I'm going to do a Ric Flair style promo for Chris Reject, and the week after that I'm going to do a Ravishing McRude, and after that I'm going to do a Ricky the Dragon Steamboat style promo. I should make some inappropriate <sighs> joke right now, but I, I got nothing. Sean, yes. what have you done involving horror movies recently, if anything? Don't feel pressured. I mean, I've just been watching a few randomly. Oh so. my gosh, you have? Yeah. What have you been watching? <laughs> so I did actually, we'll get to it later, but see Shivers for the first time yesterday. I finally saw the Baba Duck, 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 Duck. And I saw Burnt Offerings the other we're, night with we're, my wife. Oh my God, Burnt Offerings. Oh, there's, Yo, two, burnt offerings there's, is awesome. there's two things to talk about here. Let's start with the Baba Duck. Uh, yeah, I, uh, for those of you listening who, some of the people who listen to the show are cine- cinephile types. Yes. Some of you at certain levels. And Sean just admitted he hadn't seen The Babadook. Please understand, my man is a dad. He's a father. And he can only make so much time for the movies. Yes. So you finally got to it. What did you think? Was the hype up to it or not? Well, it's always wonderful to see a movie post, 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 post hype. And part of the reason I hadn't seen it is the whole kid horror movie thing like it's hard for you yeah yeah I'm, I'm at a point now where it's not not as hard anymore okay you know, you she's five or will be in like two weeks and that's when you stop i'm kind of like <laughs> <laughs> no actually she really likes me now so i love oh, her she... even more oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's actually making rational decisions not to hate you <laughs> yeah but um i thought it was really good i thought it was really strong and I mean, I don't have any like really deep thoughts on it because I kind of had read most of them before I saw the movie or had heard did it through somehow. Did you think that reading about the movie ahead of time, did it ruin the movie for you or did it in any way affect how you saw the movie? It definitely didn't ruin the movie for me because I don't feel like there's anything there is so deep that like I would have had to work through it to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. But I think it was just part of the sort of more like atmosphere building suspense kind of hard is coming back that i'm really happy about like between that the sure. witch it follows i fucking loved it follows yeah 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 i saw that a while as ago. all rational people do yeah Fuck who wouldn't yeah and um it was during a viewing of it follows liam almost fought a college kid and, and the funny thing is like my <laughs> wife and i had started watching uh what the shit what's that shit called um some australian show miss franny fisher's murder mysteries which is the same actress from babadook oh really as this like 1920s flapper like woman private detective who's like actually sounds cool like it's pretty it's if you like it you'll like it it's probably like the same level as shield like if you like that kind of thing you like it and if you don't it's not good enough to push through i mean you're talking to two embarrassing shield fans right wait 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 Agents of Shield or yes, Agents of Shield. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah, behind, as in I'm like I'm behind a season, so don't fucking. Oh, I am too. You are. I haven't seen. You that... are. I haven't seen season four either, so don't Yo, worry. I can't ruin it for straight you. Straight up, season four is both the best and worst season yet. Is that the one with Ghost Rider? Yes. Okay, I haven't seen yeah. any of it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen. Well, it though, but what's great? They about dropped it, on Netflix, though. You know, you know this thing that they've been doing with Agents of Shield, where they like. Where it's make, like good make, for a while and then bad and then good well, again. Well, no, that's always it. That's how it's always been. But they like make <laughs> it feel very themed. So it's not just Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Ghost Rider. Yeah. And then it changes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., LMD. And then, so like the, it's had some Ladies of Mass Destruction? Uh, no. You guys don't know about this? Nope. No. Oh. 
what's that? Wait, I think it's LMD, right? The life mimic decoy or what the fuck are you talking about? Oh my gosh, you guys are about to have your world rocked when you watch this. A big theme. Well, since I can't download it, I don't know when I'll get to watch it. A big theme in the comics. At least legally downloaded. A big theme in the comics was the whole death and then not death of Nick Fury. That Nick Fury died, but it turned out he didn't die. That was a life. I'm getting the name wrong. Life. Okay. Life mimicking decoy. So I don't know. I might be wrong on that. The point is, is that it was a fucking robot, and then it turned out a lot of things were robots, and then it became this almost like a fucking joke. I'm not a huge Marvel reader, but it just kept coming up in various places. Like, oh, did someone die? It's fine. It was actually the robot version, and the the robot versions never know they're the robot versions. In fact, I think right now Bucky in the comic is the LMD of Bucky, and not actual Bucky's been dead. But this is like the robot of Bucky who thinks he's Bucky. Point is, in the show, they bring it in. Obviously, detached. Nothing in the show is ever connected to actual comic books. They always change it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's that theory that like. A guy who wasn't supposed to builds a robot. He's not supposed to build a robot because of the Ultron thing, but he builds it anyway. And then oh. it becomes the whole end of the season is all that. Just um, like they've abandoned Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider was only a plot point for like 10 episodes. Then he's fucking gone. Then it's all robot shit. And then more and more. And then they're briefly in a uh, facsimile of the world. So then the show is briefly not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but Agents of Hydra. And then they switch back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then, bam, Ghost Rider comes back. Um, could this possibly have actually happened to Bill Paxton? So we're gonna Bill Paxton back. Oh my god, Too Bill soon. Paxton. I mean, we're talking about Agents okay, of Shield. So I thought about Bill Paxton. I want to get back and, to the Baba Duke. Okay. I know you are unfamiliar with the internet, and it's not a place where you are very often. <laughs> so you are likely unaware that the Baba Duke has become a gay icon. Oh no, I've totally seen that. On yes, I do. I do go on Twitter. Uh, okay, so this is why I wanted to bring it up. I wanted to get people's feelings on it. Uh, Sean is aware. Let me let me go with you first, Sean. How do you feel about the Babadook as a icon of gay rights? I just don't give a shit. You're just like that's a thing that happened, but it doesn't affect me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Justin, what I am offended by the fact that the white gay cis community made an uproar over people of color being included on the gay flag, but they were openly embracing a fictional horror movie villain as a gay icon <laughs> and i'm saying that 100 seriously i mean that that that's probably a good that point is here's, disgusting here's, here's what i will say i've heard plenty of gay people of color judge the philly flag that's a philly only thing okay and a lot of gay folks of color are like the colors in the flag don't represent people and so when you add on our colors it's like it almost comes across like oh all these other symbols represent white people <laughs> And that we're addendums to that. Fair enough. But but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Th- that being said, that wasn't the conversation. So th- for those of you who don't know, Philadelphia specifically adopted this pride flag that added brown and black as a way to visually represent the inclusion of uh, queer people of color. And it's especially meaningful in Philadelphia where uh, all of us know, but if you aren't from Philly, you may not know, that the gay community has specifically struggled with racism. Even at times when the gay community was like physically centered around certain bars, some of those bars had discriminatory practices. Yes. And if you had a fitted hat on or if you had boots on or other things that were d- identified as street or hood or other coded racist words, you weren't <laughs> allowed into those clubs. So it's especially important, whatever. And the pushback in Philly was not the pushback that I've heard from folks around the country, which is, 
I don't know that we really thought through the symbolism of this. The pushback from Philly was just white people being like, who cares? Get out of here with that. Like it was, get let me eat my cheesesteak, Rocky Balboa, or whatever. Which, and those are the gay folks. Like it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Philly's a crazy place. It is. But no, it's, it's something that they've been working out. All that to say, personally, only because I've read two things now of people writing about the Babadook as a gay icon as if it was always there and not something that was just a stupid meme because Netflix made a mistake. For those of you who don't know, Netflix mistakenly put the Babadook in queer cinema on their thing. And so then people thought that was funny and they screenshot it and they posted it. And then people started saying, well, that's funny. Let's take a picture of the Babadook character and put flags. And, st-. and then it just exploded. There have been and a couple so, good memes about it. I'll give them credit. Yeah. And then I read a piece on Birth Movies Death where this guy was like, wrote as if like, yeah, we always knew he was gay. You're just catching on now because straight people are always late. And here are all the reasons that Bob Duke is gay. And what's funny is there are enough tongue-in-cheek references in there that you get that he's joking. Yeah. And yet the case is so good that I was like, fine, I'm in. Bob Duke's gay. I'm done. <laughs> done. Done and done. Now, I want to I w- I ask you a question, Sean, because mm-hmm. I saw this movie and I was like, I didn't hate it but I wasn't like blown away by it. Oh, I forgot you didn't like this movie. No, no, no. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just like the only scene that really got me was the scene in the police department when she's like talking to the cop and there's the coat behind him. I thought it was a really effective scene. Uh, but I, I watched it with my one coworker, um, friend of the podcast, Joey Ferrero, who has a, a young son who's autistic. And Joey was like shook by this film. Like mm. as a father, he was like, I don't understand how you didn't think this movie was like scary as hell and i was like he's like oh i go my god like we watched it in broad daylight together and he was just like fuck so do you think being a father because liam saw this movie before he became a father yep but do you think that affected you at all i mean i mean your daughter hates you apparently from what you've just told me just (laughs) your daughter recently came around to loving you so no it's not like that um generally speaking the answer to that question is pretty much always yes like everything's affected by being a father. So it's hard to watch a movie about a parent-child relationship, having been a parent for five years, and not having that influence the way you see something. Um, But I didn't feel any more personally connected to the story than I feel like I probably otherwise would have. Okay. Um, And I think in your friend's case, having an autistic child, like this kid, not that he was autistic or anything, but he clearly wasn't more in the realm of... He was a special needs child. Yeah, whether he actually was or whether he was really seeing monsters his entire life, which would fuck you up because you're seeing monsters your entire life, um, he was not acting in an age appropriate way. Yes. Well, and and it's just there's 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 more there's more stress on her as a parent than it is on me as a parent between the fact that her kid has behavioral problems and the fact that she's a single mother, her husband's deceased, she doesn't have a lot of money. Can I say? Can I say too that I think that I. Part of the idea of the movie for me is that um, she's interpreting him as a special needs child. Yes, she okay. is. Yeah, because I think the reality is that he is like his father, and both he and his father say what they're thinking. And for her, this is like the worst thing ever. And I got the feeling the reason it's the worst thing ever is not just because she doesn't do that, but because it reminds her of his father. Yeah, yeah, totally. That she, like, problematizes everything this fucking kid does, liking magic, like his dad did. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, it's weird and not okay that he likes... Like, I think everything revolves around her grief and her feeling of loss, which, you know, makes their uh, relationship interesting. But I think 
because of that, I could see having an autistic child that would make it even more so because in a real way, the horror between them is about being unable to understand and communicate with your own child. Like that's part of what's going on okay. is that yeah. to yeah, her, definitely. he is alien. Yes. And the Babadook is part of that, but really a, in some ways a manifestation of that feeling. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see so. being someone who's already dealing, because the thing about having an autistic child, I'm sure, is that you love them, but there's still the, those issues of how do you communicate, how do you interact, you know what I mean? But to be fair, I mean, I think any parent deals with that to some extent, like, uh, oh yeah, look at this thing I've created that I care about so much, and then as the child grows up, you don't necessarily know what's going on, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, I hope they're okay, I think this is fine, uh, they're crying now, I'm not sure why. Um, did I do this right? Am I screwing up there? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. in that way, I think the Babadook really plays off. And, and the, the only weakness, which I don't see as a weakness, but I think I kind of see why people did, is that the film eventually kind of, you could interpret it as making a decision that you could have interpreted the film as only about the problems in the family and there's no Babadook. Yeah, yeah. The only problem I really had with that movie was that I was a big fan of the movie being... I was a fan of the movie possibly existing only in the woman's head. Right. That's what I'm saying. It and could have at, been that. At the very end, they very clearly make it that the Babadook is, in fact, a separate entity from her with sure. the feeding of the worms. And I thought yeah. that was just like, well, see, I am, uh, uh, I, on the other hand, am unconvinced. I think that uh, the ending is meant more to represent that you, the thing that is the hidden thing you were dealing with, the grief, the pain, the alienation, all those things, the ending represents that you you don't actually get past it. You never grow out of yeah, it. Yeah, but at the same time, <laughs> so this woman is, the Babadook's not in her head, and it's real, or it's in her head, she got over it, but she's still telling her son to feed something in the basement worms. That's insane and terrifying to me. <laughs> See, it's not, for me, I, I really, 100%, I've used the end of that movie in like Bible study. Like I'm like, see this? This is how life actually is. What I'm saying We're is We're all feeding the What Bible I'm saying is basement. what if I was going crazy? Right. What if I was going or okay. What if I told you I had dealt with my craziness and you're sure. like, "Good job, man." And I was like, "Yeah, but get this. Now that thing I was afraid of lives in the basement and I got my niece feeding to play the night crawlers every day. Would you not be concerned for my niece's well-being?" But you are a smart enough moviegoer to know that the whole thing is interpretive, and so no one is literally feeding anything worms. Okay, look. Don't ever call me a smart moviegoer. (laughs) We're going to find out why in a few moments, why I'm not a smart moviegoer. Because you were ripping Transformers movies? No, because I think the most recent Transformers movie is transcendentally insane to to the point of where I would call it a work of art. Before you embarrass this entire podcast, can we go back and talk about... (laughs) <laughs> bird, bird offerings. Yes, because you mentioned it, and I fucking love that movie. Yes, yo, the movie is awesome. Another movie that friend of the podcast Joey Ferrer was a huge fan of, particularly the chauffeur. Joey has gone on. He has said to me that that movie has given him nightmares. That dude is so creepy. Particularly where Oliver Reed is like sweating and drinking the beer, and he's shaking and looking at the fucking guy. Yeah, man, yeah. that's good. I mean, no, bird offerings is awesome. So, so like for Father's Day, like we usually watch shows. Tracy, it's not that she doesn't like movies. This is that like. Turning something on late at night means she usually falls asleep. Yeah. Like, she, if it's not a show-length thing, she generally can't get through it. And she likes finding a show that we like so that we don't have to make a decision every single night. 
like if you were going to watch a movie every single like so for someone like the three of us in the room that might not actually be difficult yeah but for someone who's not quite it's as into still film a little different i would insist me. on watching a transformers movie at this point shut the fuck <laughs> up <laughs> okay so, so so anyway so i had a couple of choices and one of them was just burn off which i'm like eh, 70s horror movie with betty davis in it it's the way i sold it i was like it's 70s mm-hmm. horror movie with betty davis sure she's like oh that sounds fine okay and burgess meredith I mean, I love that about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Tracy's like, oh, Burgess Meredith. Ugh. I mean, you know, she knows who he is and everything, but yeah, like, but it might not be a sell. No, no. I'm saying they're thinking about him in the Sentinel. Like, ooh, is he going to be kooky again? Um, It'd be great if he played Mick in the Sentinel. <laughs> he just comes out. He's like, yeah, there's a door to hell, kid, and you ain't getting away from this one. <laughs> Women weak in legs. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Burn Offerings is just like really solid, straightforward 70s horror. Yes. Haunted House horror movie. And I fucking love it. Well, and here's my thing about it. It's actually freaky mm-hmm. while being PG. Mm-hmm. It's on a list of PG movies that are actually fucking you know scary. What? I mean, is it? It's any- actually a better version of The Shining than The Shining. Oh my God. I don't know about that. I will oh say it's kind of unsettling God. how they, um, I've always felt, I've always interpreted that Oliver Reed was molested as a child and never came out and out and said it. And that's why he's terrified of the chauffeur. That's interesting. Hmm. I don't know. I ha- I'd have to think about that the next time I watch it, but I think you might be right about that. But I, I-, I want to rewatch it before I say it. But, I mean, you know me. I fucking love Oliver Dude, Reed. Dude, Oliver Reed is like... <laughs> uh, Every- all- everything yeah. about him is, is magical. Is oh, He's the fucking greatest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to make a joke. About Oliver Reed being molested as a child because it's horribly inappropriate, but that's disgusting. It is disgusting, but I love Burn Offerings and I love Oliver Reed, so I do yeah, Burn Offerings was really freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, Justin, uh, okay. Aside from I'm not going to talk about it because seeing the new Transformers movie with my mother doesn't count, but uh, I only saw it. Just put it out there that you love Transformers. No, no, no. Okay, no. I only saw it because the first movie I ever saw in theaters was the 1986 animated movie. My mom took me. So my mom and I have a tradition of every time one of these movies comes out, we go on opening night. How old are you? 34. I was three when she took me to see this. Okay. That, that kind of makes sense because I saw Return of the Jedi and I think I was about three or four when I, I saw bar- that in a the theater. I barely remember it. Oh, oh, I yeah. remember it. And I remember what, I remember what happened. The, yeah, rancor, no, I, the Rancor came out and I hit under the, under yeah. the chair. My dad looks down and he goes, get up. It's not real. See, I remember, I remember I, when. I, 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 wait, you were older than three or four. I was born in 79. I don't know what month Return of the Jedi. No, no, no. The first Transformers, I was older. I saw the first Transformers in the theater. No, but I mean, when Return of the Jedi came out. Oh, yeah. That was 83. So I was three or four, depending upon what month it was. was I it, was. Was it 83? No, God, I'm yeah, it was 80, yeah, it was 83. I was closer to four than the three. Because uh, I think they all came out what? in May, though, so I, I would always, have been three. I always make this mistake. The, so the first movie I saw in theaters was um, was The Empire Strikes Back, but it was the re-release before Return of the Jedi came uh, out. So in my head, I always get the math wrong, where I'm like, Return of the Jedi came out much later, and then I look at the dates, I'm like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. And then I have to, my mom has to remind me, yeah, it was the re-release, and I'm like, oh, right, they yeah, put it out so again. I don't really remember much of the first Transformers movie, aside from Optimus Prime dying and me being inconsolable and hating Starscream, which I, to this day, I hate him. I love Starscream. He's the worst. So my mom and I went and saw this movie. Uh, we Starscream both had a, and Commander. We same both person. Had, yes. We both had a good time because it was... It wasn't a good movie. Let me be clear about that. I'm not defending its artistic value. But it was crazy enough to be enjoyable. Um, so that's all I'm going to say about that. 
Earth is Unicron. Deal with it. Um, last night I saw Earth is Unicron. Earth is Unicron. Dude, don't I? We don't have time for this. Earth is Unicron. Deal with it. Mm, um, nah, last, I don't need to deal with it. Last night I saw forty-seven meters down. Oh, oh how's that? Uh, it was okay. I'm like extremely afraid of sharks, so it was like automatically like terrifying. Um, I like Mandy Moore. I think she's a better actress than she gets credit for. But I forget who Mandy Moore is. I know the name. She did a Walk with Remember. She did. She was like a pop star. Oh, okay. She was in okay, Saved. Okay. I, yeah, I, yeah, she, yeah, she's yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think she's great in Saved, but I haven't seen enough of her other things to have an opinion. She's fine. She's not amazing, but she's fine. Um, but other than that, like, I didn't care about. She had a sister who I was one of the most unlikable characters I've ever seen in a movie because she emotionally abuses her sister into diving with sharks. Um, Matthew Modine is in it. He's fine. He's like a salty sea captain on a mission. Matthew Modine should not have a career anymore. Uh, I may or may not agree with that statement. And Matthew Modine, if you're hearing this, come at us because we're ready. Yeah, a list of people I'm afraid of. Matthew, <laughs> Matthew Modine does not make the goddamn yeah. list. No, but I mean, it was, it was, it was. I mean, there was some effective. Sh- I know uh, fellow cinepunker and host of the Mandate, John Wren, hated this movie with a passion, and I get it. I understand why people would hate it because there are almost zero likable characters. It's grotesquely scientifically inaccurate. Uh, sharks are not cartoon villains who stalk and manipulate and terrorize their prey on purpose. Um. No, that's orcas. That's orcas. Yes, they actually do do that. Uh, for real, why aren't there more? Or- there is the movie Orca. Yes, we're doing an episode mm, on it. Yeah, but there oh, really? aren't enough yeah. orca nice. movies. Like orcas are actually fucked up. They are. And they kill for pleasure. <laughs> yeah, they're just like they play with the dead bodies of seals. It goes to my motto: the closer to man, the more terrible you are. That's mm. why. The yeah, because they're really, really intelligent. Yeah, yeah. sharks are chimpanzees, fucking stupid. Chimpanzees are fucking horrible. But you know who aren't? Who are also close to man? Dogs. Bonobos. Bonobos, that's because they're too busy fucking all the time. <laughs> I know, but that's what makes them so great. They're, they're literally like... They're coming they're, constantly. They're, they're literally like, yo, let's build our entire monkey society around fucking. Yes. We have murderous instincts we will work out through the power of orgasm. <laughs> yeah. And it's just nonstop. Coming. So anyway... Uh, uh, Sounds a little bit like shivers. Yes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So 47 meters down, whatever. I also want to briefly talk about how I was in Los Angeles this past weekend and I went to the alleyway where Michael Bean traveled back in time in the Terminator to save Sarah Connor, and I laid on that alleyway naked. Nice. Naked. Nice. No, and I sent nice. Liam the picture. Don't say nice. <laughs> Don't fucking... No, you didn't send me the picture. That's right. I sent Evan the picture. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I also... Good job, Evan. It was fun. I, I, I saw the alleyway <laughs> from They Live. I sent you the picture of the alleyway from They Live. Yep. You're welcome. You did. That was cool. That, that was cool. That part was cool. That part was cool. I did a lot of cool shit that in Los Angeles. Cool. I saw the the, the, the the graboid from Tremors. I saw that in a museum. The actual sure. prop they used for that, that was neat. Oh, neat. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, it was, uh, it was, I'm trying to think if I did anything else all related. No. Did or, you breathe the air? Did I what? Did you breathe the air? What do you mean? In LA. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's horror related. Yeah, but for okay, true. For most of the time, though, I was in the eastern. I was in the eastern uh, Sierra Nevada, so I was a lot of Bigfoot sightings out there, though. So that was horrific. Were you worried about seeing Bigfoot? I was terrified. I was legitimately terrified of seeing Bigfoot. But if you saw Bigfoot, there's at least a fifty percent chance that John Lithgow would be following. True, uh, but I don't subscribe 
I don't subscribe to the falsehood of Harry and the Hendersons because I know <laughs> that Bigfoots are not the gentle big brothers of the forest that the mainstream media has made them out to be. They are the silent killers who stalk among us and will kill us given a chance. Um, speaking of that, I recently tried to watch on Amazon Night of the Demon. And I bring that up uh, because you brought up Bigfoot and because um, I want to promote that. If you haven't realized, uh, Amazon Prime has super expanded their catalog. They used to be like Netflix's little little bitch. Like they just Netflix was like mammoth, and Amazon was like, oh, are, oh, are there movies on Amazon? Oh, okay, sure, whatever. And now Amazon Prime is like, if you like anything horror or weird or whatever, Prime has it. Like they just have really expanded. They have good theirs. stuff. So they have a movie that. Before they added it to Amazon Prime, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it to buy. I couldn't find it to steal. And then it's like, oh, Amazon Prime, Night of the Demon. And I'm like, what? Night of the Demon. I'm thinking of Curse of the Demon as the English movie. Night of the Demon is a scary Bigfoot movie. Oh. I use scary loosely. Go on. By the way, right now, um, big ups to my wife who is trying to get Maeve to go to sleep. So if you hear it happens. screaming in the background, it happens. She's, she's awake. Fine. She's not criticizing Liam's choice of watching Night of no, the Demon. No, no. Well, and, and and I'd rather give you guys a full review. But so this is my issue. Let's if we're transitioning to my horror things, which we are. I've started many a horror thing, but when you have a young child, sometimes you start things and then you forget that you started them, and then you don't go back to them. <laughs> so I'm, I'm 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 unfamiliar with this thing you speak of. What is a thing? Oh, horror movies. I'm sorry. You must mean John. Yeah, horror John. You're right. <laughs> I've started many Johns and unfinished <laughs> them. Uh, so I, I haven't really done um, any specifically horror movies since, although I will say I started watching uh, that show, The Mist. Okay. So far, it's bad. That's what, uh, that's what a number of people have said. I mean, it, it, it sort of misses out on what makes the mist scary the movie okay which is um you just can't see the monsters and uh so far on the mist there aren't monsters the mist just has crazy stuff see that's 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 kind of what i liked about the darabont right book or translation and the book as well yeah is that there are movies and i do appreciate an, an idea like night of living dead any of the George Romero zombies where it's like, oh, there's monsters out there, but the true horror is in here. And in the mist, it's like, no, the real horror is out there. <laughs> it's just like, but we're it, with some but shitty people. it also people. sucks in here. It also sucks in here, but no, there are actual monsters who will kill us, and that's the bigger threat. It, that's one of the few movies, I, I think Darabont's vision succeeds in doing that. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there needs to be a version of the story where there's people, where there's the mist, and there are people inside who are like, terrified by it. Because... We don't need to see another TV show where there's some sort of external supernatural threat and people are shitty to each other. Like, we don't need that. There's The Walking Dead. There's, I don't know, um, Family Ties. Like, it's just fine. (laughs) Um, Plus, the ending of that movie is hilarious. It's such a feel-good movie. Yo, uh, the the other day, big up to a former guest, friend of the show... Uh, Mr. Martello. Yes. If you are friends with John on Twitter, on Instagram, if you follow John on Instagram, which I do, he occasionally posts movies, like short movies he makes, like little videos. Yes. And he posted the end of the mist, not the very end, but the dramatic end of the mist with uh, Manic Monday over top. 
Just another manic Monday. As he's screaming and pulling the trigger, and there's no bullets. And I just good, was like, that was fucking brilliant. John um, Martello, proof that marijuana is not a bad thing entirely. <laughs> it's not entirely bad in certain no. cases. Okay, so all that to say, I haven't, uh, that's one horror thing I've gotten to do. And then another thing that's not strictly hard, but I think it's related if you like this sort of thing, is I've, uh, I'm almost done uh, that show American Gods. I haven't even started it yet. Neither have I. I highly recommend it. It's, uh, it's um, again, it's not strictly horror related. There are moments that are clearly influenced by horror. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's a guy who made, it's the same showrunner who made Hannibal. So, yeah. you know, it's similar. Um, and I think, I just think it's really great. I think there are some criticisms. If you're into shows that are very episodic, so every season ends with the idea that that could be a whole story or every episode ends with like, we started here and we ended here then this isn't going to work for you. If you like a show where they're like, yeah, we started one place, we ended another place, it's not clear what happened, uh, we're not going to answer most of your questions till two more episodes from now, if that mm. sounds good to you, then you will like this show. So it's like a, like Fringe almost. Um, I've never watched Fringe. I'm going to go ahead and say probably not because it's filmed, A, it's entirely filmed like uh on actual film in a specific sort of manner. Okay. The soundtrack is insane. It's all like uh, discordant improvisational jazz. Like there's no, like literally just moments, like two people are talking and just in the background is like, like some like trumpet players just like hitting the worst note. That's over what over jazz again. sounds like to you. <laughs> uh, what did I say? Discordant improvisation. This is the sort of jazz that people make at the end of their careers while on drugs. So it's like naked city. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Um, anyways, watch the show. It's good. It, the performances are amazing. Um, I haven't watched the season finale yet. I hear it's unsatisfying, but I think it's unsatisfying in that it doesn't wrap anything up, and I'm okay with that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cool um, with that, too. Yeah, okay. But that's about it. I mean, like I said, I have I have a few things. I'm, I'm really excited that uh, The Bad Batch is on Voodoo, so I'm going to watch that ASAP. Um you give me a look like you don't. The, the bat for those who don't know, <laughs> the Bad Batch is the new film from the woman who did uh, a girl walks home alone at night. Okay, what are you laughing? Oh, at? I, I, okay. No, I'm just sitting here and I realize that like I really wish people could see some of the faces I make at Liam sometimes because <laughs> it's like sometimes I just have this look of disdain. I'm like, oh no, people can't see that. My silence doesn't translate. <laughs> why, are you, well. why are you giving me? A look I'm of not really giving you a look of disdain. Uh, what is Anna Anna Lily Anna Poor or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. She has this new movie. Uh, Jason Momoa is in it. Oh, Keanu Reeves is in it. Excellent. And it's a post-apocalyptic film involving cannibals. Sign me up. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night was awesome. Yeah. I don't know. This has gotten a less joyous response, so it might be bad. I don't know. I, I did start it, but I haven't finished it yet. So. Interesting. Uh, anyways, that's it for me. Sorry that was so not interesting. It's fine. I'm not apologizing to you. Fuck you. All right. So anyway. The listening audience is who I'm concerned about. So anyway, um, I guess we're going to take a quick break. Chris Reject was texting me. He wants to know if I was going to be at Mahoning tonight. I was like, yes, I'll see you there. It's fine. God. You're like, we're not fucking friends. We're not friends. He doesn't <laughs> listen to this anyway, so he doesn't know what we say. I know, so fuck him. I think he does actually listen sometimes. Uh, I know the one um, one of his employees does, so. Hopefully this is... Alexis, a- play this for Chris. He sucks and I hate him. Hey, let's take that break. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back to talk about 1975's 
Shivers! Don't talk, just listen. Son, there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinefunks Podcast Network. think you're not afraid of the dark. If you think you have a strong stomach. If you feel nothing can shock you. If you say you don't scare easily. If you believe you've seen everything. Then prepare yourself for a motion picture that takes you beyond fear. Beyond your wildest nightmares and brings you face to face with terror beyond the power of priest or science to exercise. What are they? Raging demons from another world? Bloodthirsty creatures that must be killed? Or incarnations of absolute evil? They possess men, women, and children and drive them to acts of unbelievable horror. No one is safe from them. No power on earth can stop them. The only escape is death. If this picture doesn't make you scream yeah, and swirl, you'd better see a psychiatrist. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's actually Spanish, though Hugo Stieglitz is in it. It is yeah. fair. I thought Joe Dem- no Joe D'Amato did Night of the Sharks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a Hugo Stieglitz movie. Yeah. Didn't Bruno Mattei do a shark movie too? He did um, Cruel Jaws. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We should be doing more Bruno Mattei on Hard. I wholeheartedly agree. I can't wait to do rats. <laughs> I want. <laughs> I would love to do rats. Are we recording? Oh, we're recording. And we're back. Fucker. We're back to shiver your timbers with shivers. Also known as uh, They Came From Within. And Orgy of the Blood Parasites. <laughs> okay. How cool That's a pretty good name. How cool would it have been in, what is it, 76? 75. 75. To have gone to a movie theater to see Orgy of the Blood Parasites. I honestly, like, I'm sad that that title can't be used. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, the other titles was They Came From Within, which is, like, a reasonable movie title. Like, I would watch They Came From Within. I mean, it's it certainly descri- the first time I saw it on IMDb that it was also called "They Came From Within." I went, "Oh, that makes a lot more sense." That's the title. <laughs> that's the title yeah. of my of the script I'm writing for the Inhumanoids movie, which a person in LA thought I was serious about when I tweeted about it in the LA airport. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, shivers as a name doesn't make any sense for this movie. No, but it's a very it's a very evocative because they're shivering with desire. That's how. I've <laughs> You couldn't see it, but I, I just myself demonstrated shivering with desire. Which was good. I'm I shaking my head know. in stupidity. Until no, until now, I had no idea how one shivered with desire. You just and saw me I saw you, and I was like, oh. Next time, next time, next time we go out to eat, and I'm looking at food, 
That's me shivering with desire. Oh, my God. So, uh, Shivers, 1975, originally entitled Orgy of the Blood Parasites, also known as They Came From Within, and then here's the really boring title, The Parasite Murders. I So, um, y'all know that uh, me, both me and Sean are big Exhume people. Uh, and one year at the 24-Hour Harathon, I don't think you were there, they showed this movie. Unfortunately, I was not. it was at four in the fucking morning. This is not a good time <laughs> I love when they shivers, do that. But, uh, but it was under the title, The Parasite Murders. And when it came up, The Parasite Murders, I was like, what the fuck is The Parasite Murders? And then as it got going, I'm like, oh, is this Shivers? But, you know, but it was like seeing that title come up, I was like, who the fuck? What the fuck? Like, I was so confused. I bet. I bet. I'm sorry, replying to a text from someone. Cell phones rule your world. They do. So anyway, this movie stars... Um, no, no, it one, doesn't. No one really have note. Barbara Steele's in it, though. Yes. Joe Silver, Paul Hampton, Lynn Lowry, and Alan Megapowski. Yo, Lynn Lowry is really attractive. Let's let's say yes, this. Thank let's, you. Because I was saying nothing. Really attractive. Let's, she, let's say this. Lynn Lowry, you might know her from a few other horror movies. She she's was in The Crazies. Few, yeah, yeah, she's in The Crazies. Oh, she's in The Crazies. She's, she was she's the, the one who's like, I, uh, I don't... I don't. I don't fear death. I'm not afraid to die. Okay. Everybody. Everybody dies. It's like she has this really emotional moment, and then you realize she's doing that because she's one of the crazies. Yeah. She was also in the Cat People. Yes. I have not seen the Cat People. Yes. She was in the Cat People. She's um, also. I'm with you. She's. There's something about her that just. She's beautiful. Uh, it's also worth noting though that there's a bunch of side actors in this movie that then show up in our other movie to mm-hmm. Rabbit. Yes, including when I limited to David Cronenberg was in this movie. Oh, right. I forgot. Yeah. Um, I missed him. Probably because he was much younger and not looking like I know what he looks like. Yeah. I mean, Where I mean, was I mean, he in the movie? And, and he's literally, he's one of the, he's at the end. He's one oh, of the, he's okay, one of the okay. we'll call him Shivers. He's one of the Shivers that are attacking. Sure, he, sure. Attacking one of the Shivers. Man, attacking our man. I like Rogers. to call him Squirm Mouths. <laughs> he was attacking our, our hero, Roger St. Luke, M.D., so the plot of this movie is that we're opened up, it opens up, and we see, um, it opens up that weird montage, like the advertisement for this. It's like, basically mm-hmm. an advertising for this community. The shitty apartment plot that is supposed to be ultra modern, but just sucks. It's like just outside Montreal. It's like, you know, close driving distance to Montreal, and it's just on an island. And it seems like there's nothing else on this fucking island, but nope. this one building. And it's an island and like- a river. That doesn't count. <laughs> That's what they build penal colonies. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> and so the yeah, part but the St. Lawrence is pretty awesome. There's yeah, I'll whales give you that, in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Are there whales in there? Maybe not that far south, but yeah, where the St. Lawrence comes up because I've gone whale watching. There. No shit. There are sharks yeah. in there. I know that because I watch a lot of television. There are sharks in the fucking St. Lawrence River. I won't cite <laughs> nice. my sources. Nice. Um, so part of the deal with this apartment building, which was sort of the thing at the time, 1975, is that it's incorporated living. That yes. Mm-hmm. In this mm-hmm. building is your fucking store, your clinic, your salon, a pool. You know what I mean? Like, that was a big your thing hair in the 70s, wasn't it? Yeah, you it, that you would want a building with all your shit in it. Which So you could this, stay away from the rest of the king society. Well, to be fair, in this case it makes sense, again... They're just on this fucking island. Like it's like if you went out, if you went home from Montreal. Like let's say you worked in Montreal, and you're like, time to go back to my apartment. You're there. It would be a trip to go anywhere else. Yeah, so yeah, it makes yeah. sense. It's What's only weird, twelve and a half minutes from downtown Montreal. You know that's bullshit. Yeah. Traffic. Come yeah. on now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will also say these buildings like this, <laughs> they don't just exist. In, like in this case, it makes sense. 
but the thing he's mocking existed in the middle of like cities. Like there are apartment buildings mm-hmm. in Philadelphia this, this, that were like, we have everything you need. You never have to leave the building. So this this movie and Liam and I kind of talked about it. It's like this is like it's like this rabid scanners and the brood all have. And I was thinking about this last night. What I like to call late seventies, early eighties mall chic. They all yeah. everything looks like a shopping mall in the seventies and eighties. Everything, mm-hmm. including the places where these people live, they look like a Macy's from the late 70s and early 80s like I was like watching this movie or no no no, that's rabid was the one where they go to the mall we'll talk about it then because they they they, they both have very similar aesthetics and kind of similar plots if you think about it yeah well and I I I do think that point is worth bringing up in that this is the the first at least that I know of of his sort of um, weirdly physical medical experiment this is his first Cronenberg film this is where this is his first movie that David Cronenberg in all capital letters that are made of flesh and fluids. This is that first movie. This is the body hard. This is when he. This is when he became like. But it, it was a series of movies, not counting Fast Company, which I don't think any of us have seen. His weird racing movie. I don't think. Nope. No, he's also that. obsessed with that, isn't he? Yeah. Um, not counting Fast Company, he did a series of movies that also specifically revolved around the ways that experiments sort of go awry. So uh, you were doing the plot, and I interrupted. That's fine. So the plot of this movie is there is a doctor in this building who he believes that mankind has strayed too far from our... He's, mankind has become too rational. We have forsook our animal nature in favor of modernity and this sort of subdued over-intellectual living, and he seeks to inject some more primitive, read, sexual nature back into our everyday lives. So he creates this parasite. I think he creates it? I don't know. So it's it's not totally clear, but it seems like his the project he's doing is we're going to create a parasite, and the parasite will go into your body and replace an organ. Yes, yes. Well, but... that's what, that, that, that's what, that's what um, Dr... <laughs> Dr. Rolo Linsky. <laughs> Dr. Rolo Linsky, who's like, A, some sort of weird New York stereotype who's just been magically translated to and Canada. And B, mm-hmm. his voice sounds like just delicious chocolate. He's just yeah. like, oh, yes. the thing about the, the thing. thing about and this. he can't stop eating pickles. He's always eating pickles. <laughs> the, the one guy literally throws a pickle at him. He's like, thanks for the pickle. Half-eaten pickle. The no, man eats he, half pickle. He asked for it. He asked for a pickle. What's he, up with my pickle? Where's my? He begs for a pickle. The man begs for a half-eaten pickle from another man. That's Cronenberg in a nutshell. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. No, but, no, no, no. But I will say, um, no. anyways, the point is, is that we're presented with this one thing, but then it's revealed that that was never the actual idea, that he, even though the funding was to do the organ thing, yeah, he's they, always creating these parasites that'll make people into these lustful sort of sex insane uh, things because the whole thing was is as dr linsky says like imagine if we could just take out a kidney someone has an infected kidney and we would put this parasite inside of them and the parasite would filter out the blood and work as the kidney and all you would have to do is it would take a little bit of your blood and you could i mean he even says you could you don't need all your blood that would you need your blood for hey he got too much blood he didn't say that but that'd be great if he did but uh he so dr hobbs emil hobbs um, he's been experimenting on the, one of his mistresses who was infected with the parasites. And little do we know that his mistress has been gallivanting around this apartment building with several other men. So yeah. she's infected several other people. And the the movie doesn't make this clear, but if you think about it, because it, it is kind of confusing because um, the pickle doctor finds the notes. And the <laughs> Can notes, we call him Dr. Pickle? <laughs> Dr. Pickle finds the notes. And it seems from the notes that this is all on purpose, that he's set up 
for these parasites to get out. But the film actually starts with our doctor character murdering and someone. And it's a cool little juxtaposition because we've been introduced to this building, the height of modern living in 1975. That's this whole community. And then what we cut between is a, a Cronenberg theme, which is the surface of things, which is this family being sold on this building. Everything is great and it's whatever, whatever. And then cutting from that to in the building itself, where a man is murdering a woman dressed as a schoolgirl <laughs> and burning her insides with acid. Yes. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. What's confusing is it from that beginning, it seems like he's changed his mind about the parasites. He's against the parasites because he kills her. And then he kills burns himself. Burns up her inside, and then he murders himself. And all that says to me is whatever was going on there, he didn't want it to get out. But then when we get the info drop later on what's going on with the parasites, it seems like he meant them to get. There so was he, he had that's a, confusing. He was movie. philosophically motivated to create parasites that would basically turn you into walking boners. Well, I do wonder if if the idea is that he wanted them to affect us, but he wasn't sure if they should be if it should be what it became. You know what I mean? Like, is the result the actual thing he wanted, or did he want something different? So you're no, saying in in the movie they had something where he put down that her behavior became aggressive in a way that he didn't anticipate. Sure, it, okay. it really okay. made it seem like he wanted everyone just to be like in a lighthearted orgy. And they're turning into like Which isn't that what, zombie rapists. Isn't that what we all want and then don't want? Because there's two things in life I want. I want to be in a lighthearted orgy, and then I don't want to be associated with zombie rapists. <laughs> Those I are mean, the two yeah, extremes of my life. I, well, you say that as a joke, but I will suggest that I do think uh, dudes like us, we are three heterosexual cis men. Yes. Um, it's hard in our current environment of sex positivity to be sex positive without coming across like i positively want to have sex you know what i mean like that there's this line where uh, some dudes like to say this oh i'm very sex positive and you know what you mean is i'm a creeper yes and i'm trying to creep <laughs> on you yeah and how so in other words i think and we don't have to get into themes yet but i think that's one of the things this movie's starting to get at is like hey is there a dark side to the sexual revolution it's 1975 so we're reeling post the civil rights movement part of it is the sexual revolution but we're not that far removed from it yeah is there a dark side but also is that so bad like the way the movie kind of wraps up is kind of like yeah sure there's zombie rapists but i mean it's still better than living in this fucking building and being one of these assholes david cronenberg himself said he relates more with the characters in this movie post-infection right so right i think the message is like yeah it's not that bad well so let's go let's go i mean the burning seems pretty bad yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, there's a lot of pretty bad parts in this movie. <laughs> okay, so um, let's talk about how this. So basically, what happens is we open with this initial murder. Then we're sort of the, we're slowly kind of introduced to these characters. Which there's the doctor, um, Doctor Saint what Luke. Doctor Saint Luke. Can we talk about Doctor Saint Luke? What's going on with his hair? Uh, Ooh, he, that's a really good question because I don't fucking know. I believe it's a bad hairpiece. That's my Do you guess. you think that's what it is? Yes. That's my guess. He, For those of you who haven't seen this yet, which you should definitely see it if you're listening to this because we're going to spoil the shit out of it. Um, my man looks like a cross between a locust fan and a surfer dude. Yeah. Like just a real down. And it, but he, as a, as a human, he's an older man who yeah. in 1975 should have a respectable mop. You know, that was sort yeah. of the thing at the time. But this looks like kind of gelled down. It's a and little long. It, it but looks it's like, like at any minute he could open a shirt to have like a Jerome's Dream shirt on or something like that. Yeah. Like, 
It's a weird look. And then his nurse is uh what's the actress's name again? Uh Lynn Lowry. Lynn Lowry, Lynn Lowry who who we all think is great. Uh is is both his nurse and his now this is where I was confused. Is that his wife or his girlfriend? Ooh, I couldn't really figure that I'm out. I'm going to go ahead and say possible mistress. Uh, Don't you need to be married to have a mistress, though? That's what I'm saying. Is is like, he married? It, it felt like it was. Know. It felt like it was something that was going on in the on the DL, as the kids say. But which they means didn't down have, low. But there was no indication that they had other significant others. The kids no, there wasn't. do say on the DL. They, My the daughter say. says on the DL. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, oh, one, maybe there were occasional lovers. So there's another gentleman who is the the lover to this young lady who apparently has been infected by parasites which is weird because he's kind of the main character of this movie yeah so he goes his he, name um, his name by the uh, way is his name that's alan migakovsky mig as in mother wait is that the character's name or the actor's no, no, name? that's the actor's name oh, okay the character's name is nicholas tudor so nick nicholas right. tudor we'll call him right, nicky right. toots we're open we open up to to nicky toots he's using a water pick which there's a reason you don't see those anymore. Yeah. It's just a bad idea They're to shoot. terrifying. High pressure water in between your teeth. That's and, what dentists do. It's torture. And he's just angry. He's just immediately angry. He's pissed off. Yeah. He's, you yeah. can tell there might already be parasites. Because he's him. like rubbing himself. Yeah, yeah, And in very Cronenberg way, he's rubbing himself. He's yeah, got, yeah. He's, he's not rubbing himself in like this, the fun kind of way. He's yeah, no. got this, I think, extremely attractive wife. It's not like... He's got some yeah. lady yeah. who, you can't like, see, whatever. I'm, I'm nodding approvingly right she's, now. She's a pretty woman, and he does not want her to live. He has like, a face of a dead fish. He's got, yeah, like, a this dude, flat eyes. This dude looks like, uh, like, he looks like he's already gone through, like, zombie makeup. Like, when you first yes. met. Yes. He just doesn't <laughs> look human. And the, his wife comes in. She's so nice. She's and he's very, very immediately an asshole. Hostile. Guy. Yeah. And yeah. he, quote, unquote, goes to work. Yes. Which is just I'm gonna go to Two. the lady's house and bang her. Isn't and wasn't she like 19 too? She's yeah, very she's young. young. Something she's very like young. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a piece pretty, of shit. His wife skeevy. makes him this nice breakfast, and he's fucking being such a grump and ripping his biscuits apart. And like, I he sucks. I hate him. He looks like you know what he looks like. Mm-hmm. He looks like the sixth member of the Strokes. Oh my! God. I don't remember what the Strokes look like. I do because that asshole looks like one of them. Hmm. See, to me, he looks like someone who was trying out for Dawn of the Dead, but didn't realize it wasn't also, coming out for a couple of years. Also accurate. Also accurate. The the point is, is that uh, he he goes to the the apartment to get his bang on, and he discovers the blood, mm-hmm. you know, all all the death. Yeah. And so he goes in. She's dead. Other dude's dead. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He wanders off to work. He's, Instead of calling the police, of course. Yeah, no, no, no. He doesn't want anyone to know he's been banging this 19-year-old. No. He's at work. He's out of it. He's bleeding from the mouth. And so what we get is uh, this slow kind of ramp up at first where it's like when you see this first scene with the doctor and the girl, it seems like that's what the movie's about. Is yeah, like yeah. Weird murder stuff, especially when I first saw it, or that wasn't the first time I saw it, but when I saw it and I saw first saw that title. The parasite murders. It's like, oh, okay, well, there's something going on, but that's not. He gets home, and all of a sudden, he's puking up parasites. Yes, he's. It, it, they don't show you them right away, but there's little trails to let you know these things. Yeah, Can we yeah. talk then about the parasites? Yeah, they look like. Because I was thinking about this when I was watching it, they look vaguely anatomically correct for like a tapeworm, like the heads of them had like they had like like mouths like little 
like hooks for mouths. Yeah, yeah. Which is what a flatworm would look like, which is what I think they were trying to go for. But they've got these fat bodies. They look mm-hmm. like poop. <laughs> they look like he was pooping <laughs> out of his mouth. And it was just disgusting. Sean, what did you think of the the what they looked like, the parasites? Um, yeah, I kind of felt like somewhat tapeworm, somewhat shittish, somewhat like Sh- shittish. <laughs> Somewhat a cockroach without the back. Shit. Yeah, cockroach without the back. Yeah, or the legs, obviously. Well, you know what it but, made me think. I mean, honestly, yeah. <laughs> a large part of this movie, I just felt like it was kind of like, oh, I'm watching High Rise combined with Night of the Creeps with a little bit of '70s porn thrown in. Oh, I mean, I'm not trying to be an asshole here because I love him. Fred Decker is one of my favorite people in the world, and I mean that not just because I like his movies, but I met the man, and he's a great person. Night of the Creeps is a clear shivers rip. Like, not oh, yeah. they're not fucking around. I mean, yeah, without a doubt. I'm pretty sure if you said that, like, hey, he's kind of similar to Shivers, he'd be like, yeah, of course, one of the many movies I'm paying <laughs> homage to. Um, I mean, there's a reason he named someone Cronenberg in the movie. True. You know I mean? Okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Night of the Creeps is a version of Shivers. But this is the thing. Night <laughs> of the Creeps, those are like rubber things. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're they, just like, straight slugs. figured out how to move them. In this movie, it actually looks like he went to a butcher that sells offal and just started picking yes. organs out, and then they just oh, tie so a yeah, string yeah, yeah. around an organ and then just drag the organ. Yes. And they're just like the just the natural. They really ripple. could be like a liver or a tongue or something. I think they're they. I would one hundred percent believe. I mean, this is probably not true, but it seems to me like at least the ones that move on the ground, not the ones that are coming out of people's mouths. Yeah, but the ones that move on the ground. He just bought an organ. Cut it up a little bit so there are ridges on it, and then dragged it with a string. That would be that would be something David Cronenberg would do. It oh, just yeah, totally. Like that. And totally. even as like there, there's not. What's interesting about them, unlike so the thing about Night of the Creeps though, that's very different from Shivers is there's a lot more agency from them. There's a lot more. There's a lot more uh, Tom Atkins too. Well, that's true. But the 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 parasites in Night of the Creeps are very agile. They yeah, yeah. They come attack at people. You, they're fast. yeah, yeah. In this movie, it's pretty clear. The the gunky things they make some moves on their own, but for the most part they need horny people. The main this is how oh, they're yeah. getting around. The yeah, main, yeah. Horny, they're, yeah. they're basically like a vaguely sentient STD. Yes, or not sentient, vaguely mobile and it's like a physical man. I mean, yeah, clearly I don't know about y'all, but clearly this was making me think of STDs. Maybe not as much as it follows, but that was sort of what was going on here. Is that yeah, like, absolutely. We're, we're yeah, gonna, yeah, but it like makes you crazy and. Cronenberg does a good job once the craziness gets started, which, let's be clear, like it's not like immediately crazy. There's a slow ramp up. Yes. But then once a few of these things get around, every five minutes something's going. And it takes a while for our quote-unquote hero. Dr. St. Luke. And, and his lady friend <laughs> to realize how crazy things have gotten. Like, yeah, how fucked they are. Yeah, they, that they still think a couple people are being weird, not... I wonder if there's some sort of parasite situation going yeah. on. Yeah. Even though he has all the information. No one other than Pickle Man knows as much as our doctor friend, and yet it takes him a while to start to be like, I think something's really wrong here. Yeah. He kind of is hanging out a bit longer than I. As soon as someone did something crazy and I knew about the weird parasite story, I'm the kind of idiot that's like, well, it's clearly the parasite. It must be the parasite. Yeah. I mean... Shit, when when I see like a person walking funny, I'm like, I bet that person is a zombie. I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and this I is how no- we live through movies. Yeah, I hear a noise at night, and I'm like, ah, the greys have found me. So we haven't said much about, and I want to start with you, Sean, as our guest. We've been sort of picking at little pieces here and there and whatever. We haven't said that much about what we think about this movie. How did you mm. feel about this movie? Like, did you enjoy it? What did you think about it? 
I definitely enjoyed it. I mean, I love early Cronenberg, and this is very early Cronenberg, just maybe a little bit less refined because, you know, he's just kind of starting out. And there's some sort of like, you know, sloppiness in the story beats and things like that. But it was gross and violent and nakedness and Barbara Steele. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it was fun. I appreciate all that. Yeah, I don't have any deep thoughts on it. (laughs) Justin, you have a look on your face. What are you thinking? And now deep thoughts. You didn't like it, huh? It was okay. Okay, talk to me about it. For one, um, I let me be clear. I love David Cronenberg. Um, I love his aesthetic. I love how there's that similar look that goes through all of his movies. I love body horror. I love this idea that you are. It's almost like a Cartesian sense of duality where you you are separate from your body, and your body can like rebel against you. I think that's a really cool idea. But I think this movie was too unfocused in what how he wanted to approach it. There's a lot of scenes that felt like David Cronenberg movies. Obviously, the theme of you going fucking crazy and wanting to fuck everything that walks is very Cronenberg. But there were scenes that just felt too, like, where the guy's, like, looking in the mirror and, like, touching himself. It's like, yeah, we get it. It's the flesh. You're getting in touch with the flesh. Just a little too on the nose. Um, The scene where Nicholas Tudor is vomiting over the balcony onto the old woman with the clear umbrella, that felt almost like something out of a Peter Jackson movie. And I just, it didn't feel... There was a sense of yeah. humor to that that I felt was alien to Cronenberg. Like, yeah, exactly. There was a, there was a goofiness there that I was like, "Is this has Cronenberg ever been this goofy?" Yeah, yeah. Movie? I mean, he hasn't. Yeah. And no, then no, um, the the one scene that I felt was like the the one thing that felt really out of place was the scene where I forget if it's Doctor Saint Luke running through the parking garage or someone running towards Doctor Saint Luke in the parking garage, where it's shot from that person's point of view, and the camera's like shaking as they're running. Yeah, yeah. That I was just like, why is this in a Cronenberg movie? Like, this doesn't it doesn't feel like something he would do. Like that felt like something more like Sam Raimi would do, or you know, or, yeah. or like something in like a, like an but Argento film. I think some of that is just like him trying out what he's trying. You know, like what That's he's going to do. It's, it's like, like his first. This is his first movie, and you can like, tell he's like feeling yeah. his way out. And it doesn't like it doesn't. It, this doesn't have like the. I mean, like like Videodrome, how like everything is like boom, 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 perfect. It just hits or the fly where it's like this felt very like. I don't want to say amateurish, if that's a word, because that has like negative connotations and saying that he's an amateur filmmaker, but that's the only way I can really describe it. I think his inexperience as a filmmaker shows in this movie. Yeah. One of the things that that did actually bother me about the movie is that there was a lot of inconsistency in the people who have been taken over by the parasites. Yes. Nicholas like, Tudor last days. Well, not just, not just that he last days and some of them don't. It's just that some of them appear to be like infected by the parasite and go straight into like nut of the living dead yeah yeah and then yeah, some yeah. of them get infected by the parasite and go into like post-invasion of the body snatchers where they're like they're making plans or driving cars or they turn into like almost kind of like hey man let's just have a good time yeah like yeah you know what i mean like it's like do you want to have these like savage mindless nymphomaniacs or do you want to have like zombies who want to fuck like which one is it i don't get it well to me it was more than just that like it was like some of them were more zombie-ish where some of them were more like body that's been taken over by another sentient entity yes yes and like they're trying to like play off getting you out by doing like quote-unquote human things because they do trap people at certain points yeah yeah but then other ones they're just like 
I'm going to grab you and force my mouth on you and shoot the slug in your mouth because yeah. that's that's all I can do. And then I'm going to go back to like eating whatever the fuck part of this body I was eating or something like that. Yes. And it's just, I just felt like that was wi- fairly wildly inconsistent. Like it was somewhat consistent until the end. And then from there, like, it was just like. Because at the end. It's all over the place. Because throughout the whole movie, they're all on different wavelengths. And at the end, they're all similar, although all the same. They're all like Night of the Living Dead style zombies. I don't know. I, I, I agree that there's an inconsistency, inconsistency there. I didn't get a zombie vibe from 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 them really. I mean, I was using dude it when they were in the elevator, a, the like the mom and the daughter. Like, yeah, yeah, but that they, was straight not a living. They're just, see, they were like empty. They're just like no. I don't, oh, it's I, a human and grab I him. I don't agree. They laugh and they make jokes. Some of them do, but Sean's right. They. The, the no, in that scene, even the, the zombies don't taunt you. They like play with that girl. Zombies taunt you. You ever seen Return of the Living Dead? I don't remember them playing with her. Yeah, they do. The, in that scene, the mom is like messing with her as they do it, and the one girl comes, the little girl comes up. The only thing about it that was zombie-ish is that the little girl is eating something, and I assumed because I've seen so many zombie movies, it was a body part, but that was a false assumption. There was no body part to eat. No could've one's been, been injured. Could have been a Snickers bar. We don't know. She's just eating something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's n- it's never defined. Or what the she's Canadian eating. equivalent of Snickers, which would be. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think you're right, though. I'm disagreeing on the zombie point, but I am agreeing that some people, like so, the friend, uh, the so, in case you haven't seen it, Tudor's wife. She has a friend who is just a close friend and who um, she goes to for help on stuff. When she gets back and Tudor is going through it and it's gross and there's parasites and whatever, she goes to see her friend who has also been infected. Yes. And the friend like basically seduces her. Mm. And <laughs> let's not talk about whether it's sexy or not. But, uh, I will. It's sexy. But it is inconsistent because earlier when our man... Is it St. John? I keep getting it wrong. St. Luke. St. Luke. When St. Luke is in the basement and the janitor guy, the janitor guy just attacks him. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I don't, that's where I will say it's very consistent. Like, either you're so irrational that you just grab anyone and try to shove your face into their face, or you can, like, talk with someone and be like, oh, okay, yeah, well, we'll work that out. Why don't you just kiss me? Blah, here comes the thing. I call that the Justin Lore. But I, I, I do think that makes sense. I think that the end of the movie, I do kind of like the buildup, though. Like, even though they're all sort of moving in unison and whatever, there is a bit of the way that uh, she looks at him and they sort of lead him to her. So she's the yes, one. Like, yes. There's something about that. And um, I think for me, I like the movie. I think, Justin, you're very right. There are a lot of. It's rough compared to some of no, I like this movie. I wasn't I, like I, I don't dislike this movie. I think it's fine. I think it's I mean, it's David Cronenberg. The man can't really do wrong, but I still don't like existence. But yes, I see, OK, or, or spider. But that's um, but it, this just I'm OK with spider. I actually haven't seen spider. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah. that's kind of the reaction I've always gotten. I've just never gone out of my way to see it. You're not missing much. Um, but I what what really works for me with the movie, even though it's super rough, and the first the the last the 
first time I saw it, I was a kid. Then I saw it at the Harathon. It was hard. I realized how slow it was and destroyed it was at Harathon when I had been up all night. It's four <laughs> in the morning. And I'm like, fuck, I really want to be up. I'm seeing shivers on 35 millimeter. I should be so stoked. And I just couldn't keep it together. But um, I only fell asleep for a short part of it, but I did fall asleep. Um, uh what holds it together for me and actually still makes it very interesting for me is sort of what you were saying that this movie kind of works for David Cronenberg as a commentary on the sexual revolution that could be read as a negative thing. And yet he likes it. Like he wants this. And I think for him, and this is a theme in some of his other movies, you know, there's this theme in horror of the apocalyptic that like, you know, when the zombies come, that's like the end, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I'm saying apocalyptic. That's not quite the right use of the term in like biblical studies, but it is the right term in popular culture. We say apocalypse when we just mean the end. We don't mean lifting the veil, which is what it means in, in biblical. Yeah, yeah, it's, The revealing. It's, we mean it. It's just the end. The apocalypse is just the end. Whenever anything ends. And I think um, uh, that can mean the end in the sense of the end or it can be the end as in the end of the way things are and the beginning of a new thing like a new social order yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i think in a few of cronenberg's movies there is the apocalyptic as the new thing and i think the thing with shivers is not that um the sex is it gross like you don't show the dad with his daughter to be like look guys it's not so bad but i i think it's more cronenberg saying like the monstrosity I'm showing you is still better than this. Yes, that I, that that the that's why we start with the modern world. Well, that's why we start with the look at this modern new apartment building with all the. It's like you're supposed to see that and then see this again apocalypse of these people going out to spread the sex worm is why they're going out to to, to leave the thing and that Cronenberg is in some way saying this drastic change, this revolutionary change, which is like very bad in some ways that there will be a negative to this change is still better that would still be better than the fucking boring mundane nonsense of like yeah. modern and life. i think that happens in a few of his movies that that's yeah. actually sort it's of like what's going Je- on jeff goldblum he could fuck all night when he was a fly oh my God. and crawl on the wall afterwards <laughs> interesting choice of which one to do <laughs> but uh you know it is what it is and it's um no, I mean, like, like as rough as this movie is, I do think it is valuable from an artistic viewpoint because it does establish David Cronenberg as David Cronenberg. Like, sure. this was the movie that, like, when most people think of David Cronenberg, they're going to think not necessarily of this movie, but they're going to think of what this movie represents, the themes that this movie represents. And I just, therefore, I, that, that, that's what I think its main redeeming value is. Hmm. Huh. Also, it's interesting that this movie was funded publicly by the government, by the Canadian government, and there was a huge backlash against it once it came out uh, because it was filled with fucking weird, depraved scenes, and there was a lot of conservatives in Canada that were like, "This is what our tax pay. This is what our taxes are going towards." Right. This fucking weirdo making movies about people fucking and worms coming out of people's mouths, and then he proceeded to make every movie he's ever made after that from the Canadian government. Yes, <laughs> David Cronenberg schooling him again. Oh, man. All right, any final thoughts before we move on? Um, Lynn Lowry is beautiful. Word. Uh, I, I do think it it is effectively gross in certain places, but it doesn't quite reach the Cronenberg levels of gross that we get. No, like and I... Like a Eodrome or a fly or whatever. I do think, yeah. before we go on to the next film, which is Rabid, I do think that 
there is a marked improvement in the consistency of what he's trying to say. Sure. And I think Rabbit is the first, like the first real where David Cronenberg's like, like in Shivers, you're like, yeah, that's kind of weird. The worms that make people want to fuck, but okay. It's still, it's still like, you know what I mean? Like the movie was almost called Orgy of the Blood Parasites. That's typical fare for any drive-in movie. But Rabbit, when we talk about the plot point of Rabbit, that's when you're like, only David Cronenberg could think of what Rabbit is about. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 1977's Rabid, my second favorite Marilyn Chambers film. Oh. All around her, people are dying. And only Rose knows why. You gotta come quick. You gotta come quick and get me. It's Rose. It's gotta be. Something's happened to Rose. Don't scream. Don't panic. He's dead. And the dead can't hurt the living. Rabbit. Prime Minister was reluctant to officially declare a state of emergency, but as any citizen in the streets can tell you, martial law has come to Montreal. Shooting down the victims is as good a way of handling them as, as we have got. to your mother, your best friend, the neighbor next door. One minute, they're perfectly normal. The next, rabid. Pray it doesn't happen to you. Rabid. Two people, one movie, so many opinions. Welcome to the mandate. Only on Cinepunks.com. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We are back. back. As we said, um, Sean uh, is our sort of stand-in guy. Actually, Sean just came to see me, and then we were like, we're going to record, so just just, just be here. But he has not seen Rabbit, so he um, will probably not have a lot to add other than to make fun of us. Um, But that's not because he is some sort of bad guest. No, in in his defense, this was literally thrown on him. I think I told you yesterday, the day before. Yeah, yeah, the day before. And if Rabbit had been on Amazon Prime... I may have been able to see them, but I don't know if I would have been able to see them both in two days. But we were able to watch it because of Shudder. Shudder mm-hmm. doesn't give us any money. Shout out to Shudder. Doesn't give us any money, but they should because we love them. We do. And I got a free year-long membership from Shudder. Completely free, I want to say. I won that sweepstakes fair and square. So. Nice. Let's talk about 1977's 
even more than Shivers, Rabbit is a very 70s movie. Can I just say that up front? Yes, yes. I mean, it, it has Marilyn Chambers in it. If you're not familiar with Marilyn Chambers, she did a little movie called Behind the Green Door. Yep. Which is considered by some to be the greatest mm, pornographical film of all time. I like how you added the extra occult on the end. Yes. Pornographical. Um, she also did a movie after, after this called Insatiable, which is very good. Let's not talk about this anymore. <laughs> this is a very 70s movie. This is a very 70s movie because it revolves around things that were, that were coming up in the 70s. There's a motorcycle scene. Motorcycles were huge in the 70s. You don't see too many of them around anymore because they've gone extinct, but they were huge in the 70s. Gone extinct. <laughs> They've gone extinct. Also, the, a lot of this movie revolves around plastic surgery, which, right. which, was, which was coming up in the 70s. Um, and then there's, there's I, I said earlier in the episode, there's like the mall chic. And I don't mean like Valley Girl, like late 80s mall chic. I mean like late 70s, early 80s mall chic where everything is dark and wood and there's unnecessary fountains and fake looking plants and blocky benches that don't really look like benches. Stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so the plot of this is Marilyn Chambers plays a young woman named Rose. And at the beginning, her and her boyfriend, Hart, who was awesome. I fucking love that guy. Yeah, yeah. They're riding a motorcycle and they get into an accident because people are stupid. And Hart escapes relatively unscathed. Right. But Rose is badly burned. Yes. Now, here's where I guess David Cronenberg's understanding of how medical emergencies are handled and how they actually handled just differ wildly. They crash outside of a plastic surgery center. She's treated there for life. She's burning. She's burning alive. And they're like, no, we can save her. We can, we, we have, you know, we can take her. And then she's like kept there for like a month. Um, there's skin grafts taken from her thigh, her beautiful thigh, up to her like chest and armpit. And then she wakes up out of a coma like a month later. And there's no delicate way to put this. She has an asshole in her armpit that shoots a dick out of it that drinks blood and turns you into a fucking lunatic zombie she becomes the carrier like she's unaffected she herself is not a lunatic she she lusts for blood but she's still a rational human being but when she armpit dicks people she infects them with something and then when they attack people they infect them and she she she's basically she she becomes like a plague bearer and it's like a the, the reason the movie's called rabbit is that the way the people act is not like zombies like dead things they do act like they it's a form of rabies yeah. but it's clear it's not literally rabies because everyone who's given rabies shots it has no it has no effect yeah. and liam and i were actually discussing this um the crazies is the first it's going to be called zombies by people who don't want to actually don't actually watch zombie movies, but they're not actually zombies. It's more of this was this was one of the first. Uh, it's us versus them that used to be like us. Think like twenty eight days later. Think sure. Zombieland. Think Nightmare City. Nightmare City. Yes, I was getting there. Think Nightmare. Yeah, this is they become like what 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 normies in today today's horror world would call zombies, but they're not actually zombies. They're just. I mean. You know, they showed it at the zombie weekend because I think it has those aesthetics. It does have aesthetics. If you yeah. broaden the definition of a zombie movie to not just include 
a typical zombie, but to be like anything that is like, because they do bite people. Like they do bite not, people. It's, it's, but you can pry my definition of zombie from my cold, dead hands. Well, you know, that's because you're a Romero devotee. I am, and I'm rigid. I'm like rock hard in my devotion to George Romero. Okay. This is rigid get, and, get, get and a little too throbbing. Get a little too sexual right yeah. now. Yeah. Hey, we're talking but, about a movie where there's a fucking dick that comes out of an armpit. Yeah. So let's say, I mean, we're saying dick. Let's, it, let's, it's a, to be technical, it's, it's just, it's like a kind of stinger. It's a phallic stinger. But the thing is, she grabs people often in very sexual ways yes because it's Marilyn Chambers and then the stinger comes out and it stings them against their will yes so it's hard not to think of it as phallic and dick like because it's basically a movie in which a very sexy lady rapes people over and over again a lot yeah and so yeah that's the okay so she starts stabbing them with her armpit yeah then what happens after that they become rabid killers. But, I mean, talk about... Uh, oh, the actual plot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's doing this, and she's her, her, her boyfriend, Hart, is trying to track her down. Mm-hmm. She she runs off from the from the uh, plastic surgery center, and the plastic surgery center has descended into chaos because she's now stung a few people on staff, yes. including the head of staff, and then he goes crazy in the middle of a surgery. And cuts a woman's cuts fingers off. Cuts a woman's off. finger off, and just, it's it's out of control. And there's a lot of these really almost sad scenes where she, like, tries to, like, she tries to eat food. Yep. And she's, like, she gets sick. Yeah, she can't do She can't food. do it. It's sort of like in The Lost Boys when Michael tries to drink milk and he vomits. She also can't do animal blood. At one point, she tries she, to do it from a cow. Uh, she gives a very sensual hug to a cow. A very sensual hug. And then it makes her throw up. So she, in that way, she's kind of mm. like Sean and I. She's definitely a vegan. Uh, yeah, if you don't For count animals. if you don't count humans I as, don't. as animals. I don't. Then. I'll eat a person tonight and still be vegan. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so hmm. yeah, and then... The, I don't know. There's this whole... There's this whole... There's, there, there's basically like... Um, so eventually, when, as it tends to happen, when you have a when you have like a typhoid Mary going around, infecting people left and right, who then go in to infect other people, and so on and so forth, the situation rapidly spirals out of control. Um, Toronto or Montreal? I think this is also Montreal. Montreal, Montreal is soon put under martial law, and um, it switches from this escalating social situation. It, the narrative kind of goes back to her boyfriend trying who's struggling to find her. And I got to say, the ending of this movie, when he's talking to her on the phone, that's fucking heartbreaking. That is so sad because that guy really sells it. His name is uh, Frank Moore, who didn't really do much else. But when he's like talking to her on the phone and he's like screaming for her to get out of the house, I'm not going to ruin it for Sean because it's really good and he needs to watch it. But that's really sad. It's really, really sad. It's so sad. I also think, though, that um, one of the elements that we haven't highlighted, but I think it's important, is the imagery. It's funny because we keep mentioning the crazies, which we haven't done yet. Yeah. But it's similar to the crazies in which part of the theme is not just the 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 thing itself, which is the infected people. Yeah. It's the way the government responds. That, like, as we have these rabid people going around, we also have the military just straight shooting Shoot people. Shoot to kill. The order just, is... Yeah. Shoot! Oh, oh, it's after dark. There's someone out on the street. They don't immediately respond to verbal cues. Kill them. Murder them. Yes. And dump their body in a trash truck. Yeah. It's crazy. Also, like, I, I want to point out, in his attempt to kill someone, a man shoots Santa Claus. <laughs> Just shoots Santa shoots Claus. Santa Claus in a mall in front of children. Um, I think that's and I and I and I think it's worth bringing that up because I think that is part of, you know, with Cronenberg. 
he's following a I don't want to say following a trend, but he's part of a trend in which you really start to see various aspects of the social strife of the 70s make its way into horror films. Yes. But what's great about Cronenberg or interesting about Cronenberg is that it's never clear what he thinks. Like when you're watching Dawn of the Dead and clearly materialism is at play, you know what, you're yeah. not being there like, what do you think George Romero thinks about materialism? <laughs> yeah. When you, you watch it, like, he likes it. Yeah. Cronenberg is kind of like, yes, of course, the government is this fascist machine that can turn on at any moment and just under the surface. But I mean, the rabid people are bad, too. He's so like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, martial law sucks. But this woman has an asshole in her armpit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did a lot of thinking about this movie. And we kind of talked about it in The Brood, how there is an unfortunate, almost misogynistic streak in a lot of Cronenberg's films. Sure. And the one thing that I, I, I really was sort of like, ah, about this movie, it wasn't so much that the like, villain, quote unquote, I guess, is a woman. Because, it, whatever. It's the fact that it's a woman who, her body literally creates a monstrosity out of, out of, out of nothing. Like, right. when we say that she develops this orifice in her armpit from a skin graft, that's all that happens. They don't give her any drugs. But to be fair, you're forgetting about the surgery scene. Where he explains why this happened. When she comes in, he's like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. We've got this totally new experimental skin graft that's actually super fucked up and experimental. And I forget how he describes it exactly, but it's like pseudoscience bullshit. And the person goes, doctor, are you sure this is safe? And he's like, we don't have any actual surgery equipment here, so we have to resort to radical uh plastic surgery uh thing. I thought he just cut it off her leg and then put the Nah dude. That's again, that's why this is science gone wrong. He uses experimental mutagenic shit as if it's like fine. And everyone goes, Well this has never happened before and you've never done it on anyone else, but sure, let's go ahead. Let's just do that. And that's when she develops the armpit asshole. <laughs> okay. So like So it's so it's not her own body, her own feminine body just being like, you know what, I'm gonna grow an orifice in my armpit that stings people. No, I mean I do think there's an aspect to it in that um here's this very desirable female character that at least one person, if not a couple people, are sort of acting predatorily towards her, and then she turns the tables and rapes them with her armpit dick. But um <laughs> But no, it's not her fault. It's from... No, no, it's totally this, not her fault. But it's from this science experiment. He does this to her. Okay. What's weird about it is that in that room, they make it clear, like, we've never done this before, but rather than drive her to an actual hospital, I guess they're kind of remote. Is What we're supposed to think is that they're so remote, there's she's going to die if they don't do this thing. Yeah. But it just... Not enough people in the room go... Are you sure this is a good idea? He's just like, here's this thing I've been developing we've never done before, but well, let's just do it. Also, I would never work or trust a man named Dr. Keloid. Yeah, that's also, it's the His Keloid. name is Dr. Keloid. It was his neighbor, Mr. Toomer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're at the Keloid Institute. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I think, an anxiety here, as in a few of his movies, around science and the ways that science can go wrong. Absolutely. Um, but I think there's the body horror thing is very much related to... You know, in the 70s and 80s, we're just starting to realize how fucked up cancer is and Mm -hmm. how we can't do anything about it and whatever, whatever. So I think there's some of that going on, too. So her body has betrayed her to some extent, but it's because of him. He does this to her. Yes, yes, yes. This isn't like a random manifestation like, um, actually, no, never mind. There's no random manifestations of 
bodily horror in David Cronenberg's films. It's always, you know, introduced in some way, shape, or form. I think that's true, actually. I'm trying to remember. I can't think of I any I can't examples. think of an example either. Well, uh, yeah, because even scanners, right? That was... It was a birth control drug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fuck. yeah. Yeah, everyone always does something to make yeah. this happen. In the brood, Oliver Reed is too handsome, and this woman has to deal with it by producing <laughs> smaller broods. <laughs> Dude, the brood is awesome. It is. It's very good. Um, if, if 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 you're listening to this and you're unfamiliar with the brood, well, you should watch it. But you should also listen to our episode. About great the brood. episode. We did the brood and great possession. Episode. Yeah. That's a good. Oh, episode. I need to see possession. I've never seen it. Possession's so good. Yo. Do either of you own it so I could borrow it? I do. Actually, I'll lend it to you. On Blu-ray. After this. Fuck On yeah. high definition DVD. So. Dude, the write-up here was not that bad. No, it's not. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, I mean, this, 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 this uh, like we were talking earlier about the, uh, the idea of the, the, this is one of the prototypical, you know, zombie films where there's um, shit going bad. And what I kind of like about the infected in this movie is that it's not like, um, it's not like in Twenty Eight Days Later where you just become this like animal, and it's not like in Snyder's Dawn of the Dead where you become an animal. In this movie, the zombies are—we'll just fucking say zombies—the infected and the rabid, whatever they are, they're very conniving to the point of where there's the one scene where um, what's his face. Uh, Joe Silver as Murray Siphon, who I forget what he, role he does in this movie. Quick, quick, quick question: These uh, rabbits, yeah, when they attack, are they trying to get blood? Yes, they they eat people. So instead of zombies, why aren't we calling them day vampires? Well, and in reality, she is. You could she is a vampire. You know, in some versions of the vampire sort of idea, there's the vampire who's smart, but then the new vampires he makes. Are basically like zombies, like, like they the just, yeah, like yeah. the strain. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. similar to that. Only they're not fucking terrifying albino people. <laughs> I've only seen like two episodes of the strain. It's a great show, you should watch it. It's coming. This final season's coming up. Um, no, they're definitely they're cannibals. They definitely they're attacking okay. people and they're okay. trying to eat them. Um, but what's interesting is that they're they have the ability. Like, there's one scene where. Um, there's a like a construction site, and this is like this is before shit gets out of hand, and there's a car. They're like driving. They're like, oh, the road's close. We got to go around here. And you see these two construction workers, and they're like, these fucking assholes aren't doing the jobs. They're just wasting time. And the construction workers start walking towards the car with a jackhammer. And they're like, okay. And then they jackhammer the door open and fucking attack the people. So these things, while they're infected, while they're rabid, while they're whatever, they're smart enough to know how to use tools and manipulate people, um, similar to the uh, sexy things in uh, Shivers. Similar to the sexy things it should. That's what they are. They're sexy things. <laughs> oh man, I uh, I think what's interesting about Rabbit is that it um, also has this sense in which the world has changed because of. Can we just need to say what happens? We're gonna ruin it for Sean. Okay, we're gonna ruin eh, it for it's you. All right. So this overtakes Montreal. Everyone becomes a or it's Montreal. Everyone becomes. Like the, the the military is literally driving down the street in patrols and killing anyone they see, and what happens is, um, Marilyn Chambers Rose her her she her her boyfriend tells her like, or no she finds out that she's she's the cause of all this right because she's an idiot who doesn't put two and two together. Well, I she guess. doesn't really believe him though when he says the thing about the uh, 
he doesn't. She doesn't really believe she's the cause of it. That's why no, she brings but that then guy. Into she the brings room. a guy home to 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 his apartment, and she infects him. She kills him, and she says, "I'm going to wait here." And when he doesn't come back, I'll know I'm not the source. And her boyfriend on the she's talking to her boyfriend on the phone, and he's like, "You need to get the fuck out of there right now." And he's like begging her, like, "Rose, you have to leave right now. You're going to get hurt. You have to leave right now." And she's like, "No, it'll be fine. I need to prove this myself." And he's like screaming and crying and begging her. And then this guy comes back, and then mm-hmm. he hears her getting brutally murdered on the, on the other side of the phone. He freaks out, smashes the phone, and the next shot is a doggy, a little cute doggy, like pulling on her leg and she's outside in the garbage all like Ugh. and it's revealed that the army is looking for an antidote to create and because she's patient zero she's a carrier yeah. she could probably be the one but they see her body and they're like yeah it is another one throw it in the dump and they just throw her body in there and then that's it and so I think I mean I think what we're seeing in that besides just a cool way to end a movie a very is, bleak way to end a movie yeah but it's very not the living dead but it's yes, also yes. but it's also Cronenberg I mean his cynicism on the government's ability to actually solve this problem yes that they're just like throw all the bodies in the thing it's kill also, everyone it's also Cronenberg's view of women mm. throw them all in the trash oh my god <laughs> poor Cronenberg I, he's a good guy I'm sure. I don't know if he's a good guy, but I don't think he's... I think his movies sometimes come across as... We talked about this already. We did. I, I don't think he's actually sexist. I, th- I think that there are themes he explores and that they come across that way because he's very masculine. Oh, but my I, God. Yeah, he But is. I, don't, I don't think his movies are actually like anti-women the way that people have sometimes no, no, interpreted no. him. And I think in this movie... But I think as men, we have no right to comment on that. Well, that's fair. If a woman wants to tell me he's fucked up, I'm yeah. okay with that. But my point being only to say, I only bring that up to say in this movie, I think the fact that her the way her story works itself out is like um, evidence. I mean, just because she's dead doesn't mean they couldn't still figure something out. But the idea that like they could never, if there is an epidemic like this. The government would never be able to figure their shit out enough to, no. to take care of the situation. No. I think it's part of what Cronenberg is saying here. When the government starts to respond, again, it's not soft and analytical. Even as the before we see how bad things get, even in the drama, they're going back to the city, Hart and uh, the guy who is Pickle Doctor in the other movie. Yeah. Uh, they're going they're going back to the city and then we see the hundreds of trash trucks with the soldiers on it. Yes. That's the government's first response is Put all the guys in bio suits, give them trash trucks, you know, for the bodies, and just go out and start shooting. Station people. snipers all over the place to fucking shoot everybody. Like, that's, to me, I think that's sort of the undercurrent, which is a lot of what Cronenberg does sometimes, is you have this central story, and then there's an undercurrent of things where you're like, oh, that's also important. Yeah. To, to what he's thinking. Um, I do think, though, you're right, that idea that she doesn't believe that she's the carrier yeah. so to speak i do wonder about that is that i don't think that's because she's a woman per se but i think it is about human weakness like no one wants to believe that no 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 i'm not saying it's i'm not saying it's specifically because she's a woman i do agree it's just because i mean i do find it kind of hard to believe that she wouldn't think that um what she's doing is going to have some sort of ramification i just don't think she wants to believe it's that bad though yeah, but she has a fucking tentacle coming out of her armpit. But she's like, adjusted is, to this reality. She's uh, but accepted what I, it. But what I'm saying is, like, if that reality is the fact that she has this Cronenbergian orifice in her armpit that stings people, like, why is the idea that the people she is killing 
coming back, why is that idea so far beyond her? I mean, I... If she's adapted to living with a fucking dick in her armpit, what? how much horrible can things get? But I think here's the thing. She never sees anyone turn. She does this to people, and then they wake up and they're fine. You know what I mean? So, like, okay. I, I think that's the... I personally... I think it's a little bit of a commentary on the ways that we, again, I'm not trying to suggest Cronenberg is this ideological filmmaker and everything is a point, but I think we can understand the tendency he's pointing towards because a lot of times we make very small, uh, irrational, possibly um, uh, immoral decisions because we don't have to deal with the ramifications. So like, a great example would be I have many times, I mean, I don't think this is as immediately impactful, but how many times have I thrown something that's recyclable away in the trash? I do it at least once a day. Yeah. And I think, ah, fuck, it doesn't really matter. But then the question becomes, how many decisions do we make in which we don't see the immediate uh, results? I don't know, Sean. Do you know anything that Liam does every day that uh, has that, that impacts him? That impacts uh, something he do, some, something he doesn't see every day. Uh, I can't think of anything. Set myself up. I can't. Sean, I'm in the room. I'm outnumbered by the gods. Can you think and of I anything? I set myself up for some that this, cheap. That this blood mouth cemetery bodied motherfucker <laughs> does on a I daily set, basis. I set myself up for the cheap, not even earned Vagan <laughs> commentary right now. So cheap and easy. Somewhere, Carl Buechner is nodding and approving, saying, yes, kill him. Kill the blood mouth. Mm. I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. Well, yeah, so that could be one example, even if I could make all kinds of irrational justifications for me eating meat. But I think the fact is that like, lots of people who eat meat say, like, well, what I do isn't that bad. And they're thinking of like that one time they bought grass-fed beef. That yes, was yes, But in yes. reality, they go to Taco Bell or they go to what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, the, in, in other words, like, like a great example, uh, I don't think you listen to this podcast, so you won't mind me blind a spot up, but remember, remember Mike Lavaglio, who I used to live mm-hmm. with? Great guy, very moral, very, very inclined towards morality in the sense of social justice. Yes, yes. But had certain things he couldn't give up on that to me were so... So one thing is he liked to run and he'd get back from running and when you get back from running and you're sweating as much as he is, you then take a towel and you wipe yourself down. But he thought that was gross. So he would wipe himself down with paper towels. And every time I'd be like, bro, it's so many paper towels, like you're killing a forest. And he could kind of <laughs> understand, but it was so important to him to feel this way, he couldn't see clear to not doing it. Actual monster. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, again, how many things? So in this case, yes, it's fucked up what she's going through. And I think at first she is kind of like confused. She's not aware of what she's doing at first. But when she becomes aware... She sort of accepts it as like, well, this is just what it is. I attack people with this thing, and this is what I need to live, and they seem fine, so I'm sure it's fine, and it's not fine. No, it's way not fine. Um, but again, I don't, I'm not. I, I think let me not overburden the audience. I'm not saying because Cronenberg's trying to make a point. I think it's just the reason her doing that is relatable and not crazy is that I think we all make decisions like that. Yeah. But I don't think when Cronenberg was writing that, he's like, this is just like all those fuckers who don't recycle. Like, I don't think <laughs> I don't think he had in mind any sort of thing. I'm Absolutely just, not. I'm just saying that I, that's I'm, why it's relatable. I'm actually kind of curious to see where the inspiration for this movie came from. Right. Because I, I love how, like, when he, when he did... Um, when he did The Fly, right. the inspiration for that was his father was dying of cancer at the time. Right. And 
I mean, that that just seems like something like what a what a wonderful way, sort of, to turn something so terrible into something like so artistically valuable, right? And then I'm like, so I see I see the line that goes from I'm watching my father deteriorate. I'm watching my father's body betray him into interpreting reinterpreting the fly as this body horror movie. I don't really know. What inspired? What happened in his life where he's like, you know, it'd be really cool if a porn star grew a fucking an asshole in her armpit and a little thing came out of it and drank people's blood, and then those people turned into fucking crazy people. Um, I uh, I know that there was an inspiration for this because I have read in the past Cronenberg on Cronenberg. Yes, but I did not do my due diligence and read the section on Rabbit. God before damn it, Liam. I didn't do it when we did Brood either. I, I forgot <laughs> I even had the book when we did the Brood. So uh, I will return to that, and maybe on a future episode, we'll do another Cronenberg movie, and I'll actually have done yes. some research. But that book is actually really helpful. I don't, again, it's it's more clarifying than Lynch on Lynch, in which David Lynch <laughs> goes, tries to say. Wait, his, wait, you. Did you actually think Lynch on Lynch would be clarifying? Well, I think I've, I think, uh, I think I thought there'd be little hints in there, but I think Lynch on Lynch exists to actually make his movies more confusing. Like he just doesn't. All wanna... filmmakers named David are monsters who are, seek, <laughs> who are out to confuse and terrify the people who love their movies. But I, so I don't know that Cronenberg is explaining his movies in Cronenberg on Cronenberg, but he is. He does give a lot more clear. He gives a lot more idea of where he was coming from than Lynch does. It's not like totally. He, there is stuff in there that you're like, oh, okay, that's an interesting way to think about that. Um, I'm sure some of this stuff, though, with directors, they just made the fucking movie, and then later on, they're like, well, this, absolutely, you know, whatever, because it's like they've had time and space to sort of mythologize their own. George process. Lucas. George Lucas became a billionaire oh by doing gosh. that. Right. He's given so many explanations for the He's origin of the Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just names movies he likes, so then he waits for you to figure it. Yeah. That, now, to be fair, what Lucas did in that that I think is positive is, at least with the first movie, he jerked off Kurosawa enough in public that then Kurosawa got money to make new movies. So, in some, some of ways, it from George Lucas. Yeah. So that's a, that's in some a ways, horrifying image, but yeah, sure. In some ways, we owe Lucas <laughs> positively for that, but I do think... Oh, yeah, Lucas and Spielberg subsidized Ran. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and really... Because of their commentary on Kurosawa, there was an audience for Rand. I think if 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 they hadn't talked about Kurosawa so much, there wouldn't have been the American audience being like, "Well, I want a new Kurosawa movie." Like, I think, yeah, I think yeah, they yeah. helped make that happen. So respect. But the idea that Lucas actually stole from all these different movies, like he did a little bit, but not to the extent where obsessive Star Wars fans will be like, "No, clearly, in Star Wars, you can see this and this." And I'm like. Nah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Enough about Star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're talking about Cronenberg here. Yeah. Uh, oh, he wasn't. Was it? Was he one of the people that was on the list? He wasn't on the list. What list? Where for Empire Strikes Back? There was. A, he was. No, was that David Lynch? That was, was no David. Lynch. David Lynch was, was supposed Lynch. to do Return of the Jedi. No, Lynch was Empire Strikes Back. Was he? I thought so. I thought the short list was all Empire Strikes Back. There was. Because there, there was Lynch, there was Verhoeven. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's Return of the Jedi if it's 83. I think it was Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, there was a list of all fucked up disturbing people that were supposed to take a swig. <laughs> at- Can you imagine if David Lynch had the director of Return of the Jedi? Can you imagine if David Cronenberg got to do the Rancor? Or Job of the Hutt? Job of the Hutt would have Salacious Crumb growing out of his side. <laughs> 
<laughs> Layla would have like a giant long phallus as a chain. Yeah, and an actual dick. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, the, the 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 monster in the sand definitely would have been a dick. I mean, the monster. Oh, you mean yeah, the sarlacc? Yeah. yeah, I don't. The almighty sarlacc. Okay. Enough George Lucas talk in Star Wars. Let's wrap up this about Rabbit. I think Rabbit is as much as I I actually do like Shivers, and I think if you're a real Cronenberg head, you should give Shivers a chance because yes. there's a lot there. But Rabbit is the first for me Cronenberg movie, knowing that none of us have seen Fast Company. Yes, this is the first truly great film that David Cronenberg made. I think so. Like because it's consistent in the way it looks. It's consistent in its style and again it further pushes david cronenberg it solidifies what david cronenberg has become known for absolutely weird shit that the human body is capable of for no reason and not to say he hasn't expanded past that i don't want to limit cronenberg just to those movies but this period of cronenberg it starts classic cronenberg technically it starts with shivers but it really starts it goes into overdrive with rabid yeah it sounds like Shivers is like the test run. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. 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 This this is Shivers is the engine turning over, and Rabbit is the car doing 120 miles in the what some would say the wrong lane, but I put to you it's the right lane. Okay. Well, you're weird. <laughs> anyway, that's Rabbit. Right. Rest in peace, Marilyn Chambers. She passed away not too long ago. Well, yeah. I mean, she's she actually is pretty good at this movie it's not sadly this was her attempt at breaking in the mainstream cinema and like it didn't work so she went back to doing pornography which i mean whatever more power to her that was what she wanted to do but i mean clearly she was hoping for something more yes yeah that's that's what it was she she was hoping for like a big break in the hollywood and she didn't get it when that that's that's undeniably kind of sad and i do think that um rabid generally speaking doesn't get as much respect as it probably could no because when most people talk about classic cronenberg they talk about scanners or videodrome or the fly sometimes the brood but i think like these two movies it's it's they're not these like hidden gems like don't get me don't get me wrong i don't think this is like some obscure movies that no one has seen before we watch these movies but i don't think rabbit and 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 shivers get when people talk cronenberg i don't think that they they talk about these movies enough yeah and don't get me wrong like videodrome when i for me Videodrome is still my go-to Cronenberg movie. Okay. I love The Fly. It's great. I love, as we've already discussed, The Brood and Scanners. But uh, Videodrome's my shit. But I really think like if we were going to do like a like a Cronenberg night, I would want Rabbit to be... I would, I would literally probably just go Rabbit Scanners, or uh, sorry, Rabbit Brood Scanners, um, Videodrome. Yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be a fun night. Well... I think that yep. would be an enjoyable night. An interesting night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was an interesting yes. night. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, what else do we want to say before we wrap up here? Um, we are going... I, I know I'm going to. I don't know what you guys are. I'm going, I'm going to... I mean, this doesn't matter because when you hear this, it'll be over. But I'm about to go watch several movies at the Mahoning Drive-In. Um, next weekend is their Back to the Future weekend. Oh, it's next weekend Back to the Future weekend. Next weekend is Back to the Future. Nice. Okay. And then the weekend after that is... Video violence, I think, is that is that one. I think that's right. And yeah. I, I don't know if, if you guys don't know, this is kind of a big deal. They're doing this uh, video-only series for that weekend. They have installed uh, digital projectors, which in order to get the picture big enough for their giant screen, they need like four projectors to, to, to work. <laughs> oh, and a lot of these movies, these video movies they're showing, they've never been 
uh, shown in any sort of theater, let alone at a drive-in. Yeah. Um, not all of them, but a bunch of them have never been screened anywhere. So I think it's actually super cool that they're doing this. It might seem counterintuitive to go to a drive-in to see VHS, but it's not a VHS only drive-in. They're just doing it this time. They're also and doing it's fun. There's also going to be a, a bunch of vendors there. They're, yeah. Well, it's sponsored by a VHS company, a company that does retro VHS shit. Yeah. Uh, and I just for is it lunch meat that's doing it lunch meat VHS I, I don't know I don't I don't, know. I don't remember there's someone who put this lineup together for I'll them. post about it on Twitter it seems cool and there's a few titles in there I like I've heard of as being like unique VHS you know straight to VHS movies or shot on VHS movies so. yeah um, and then uh, also Virgil's gonna be a dad again that's pretty cool yeah just found so, it out on Father's Day literally we love you Mahoning driving yeah. you guys um, are great we are gonna be doing a series in July not a series we're gonna do a couple episodes on it's weird that tonight we're going to this thing about fucking animals attacking people, and I saw a movie about sharks attacking Mandy Moore last night. We're going to be doing several. Does Mandy Moore live? Yeah. Yes. I know. It's so. It's. I was so happy because she's the only. She's the only <laughs> character I like in the movie. I was like, if she dies, I'm walking out. Um, we're going to be doing a couple episodes on animals gone wrong, and we're going to be appearing on our dear friends, the Final Girls. We're going to be doing. Deep Blue Sea and Piranha 3D. Piranha 3D. Piranha 3D. With Amy and Carly. So that should be fun. That'll be uh, the, towards the end of July. Um, yeah, I wish we could watch Piranha 3D in 3D. That would make me so happy. the bluest. My head is like a shark's fin. Oh, yes. <laughs> Quality movie. Deepest. Yeah. Bluest. And what's funny, what's great about that is the night before we're going to record, we're doing an episode on Piranha, the original Joe Dante's Piranha. Oh, sure. So we're going to be piranha out by the time this so is. So much Piranha. So too, too many Piranhas, I'll say. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so that's it. Thanks for listening. Um, you can check us out at theharbiz666 on Twitter, um, cinepunks.com for this and many other great podcasts. Um, as always, like us on Facebook, go to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, and download Download, download. Big respect to all the various podcasts who have supported us. Yes. Uh, we love you. Yes, we do. Uh, check out, as we said, Final Girls, Horror Show, Nightmare Junkhead. Oh, Splat House. Yes. They've yes. tweeted about us a bunch. Graveyard Sisters. Graveyard Shift Sisters. Graveyard well, Shift Sisters. And uh, sh- her podcast is Girls Will Be Ghouls. Oh, I love it. I love it. Girls Will Be Ghouls. Yes. And, uh, I mean, even though it's they're not, I think we're we are the only horror related podcast on the Cinepunks family. Check out the other great podcasts in the Cinepunks family. I mean, uh, I will say Black Sun Dispatches is okay. Very that's horror. very hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Other than that, thanks for listening, um, Sean. Thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much. The honor was all ours. Of course. Until next time, stay spoopy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>